Look, um, I'm just going to say, you know, the culture here at Oklahoma right now is all centered on us playing our standard and us playing our brand of football. Um, and, you know, we try and go out there and have the right mental intensity, right effort, right approach to it, uh, attention to detail and discipline to do our jobs. And I think, you know, looking back at this last game we played in, there's a lot of opportunity and room for growth and maturity. A lot of lessons that we can learn from, and we will learn from it. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing as we continue to go on and move forward is, is keeping the main thing the main thing, attacking every day and improving every day. Jalen Hurts began his Monday press conference with an opening statement, which was a bit unusual. So we decided to open this somewhat unusual episode of West of Everest with Mr. Hertz and his opening statement. Hey everybody, I'm Lee Benson. We've never done an episode quite like this before. It's a two-parter here for OU Texas Week. This you're listening to is part one, and in part one you only hear from me. Grant was feeling a little bit under the weather tonight, so I'm going to take care of part one solo. The plan will be for him to come back tomorrow for part two. might be asking yourself, What's part one going to consist of? Well, that's a great question. This podcast will be the news and notes portion of our preview shows, and I'll also play a bunch of sound from Oklahoma coaches and players that I've gathered throughout the week. The sound will kind of drive the show today, and then tomorrow we'll go over the full preview that you've grown to expect from us during these midweek podcasts. In part two, we'll go over Oklahoma's offense versus Texas's defense, and then we'll go Texas's offense versus Oklahoma's defense. And of course, we'll say what we want to see have happen in that game on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl and then what will happen in the game. We're going to make some picks as well against the spread. We do that after we do our full game preview every episode, every you know preview episode we do. And uh, Grant and I have been downright average this year when it comes to these picks. Nothing to write home about, but not too terrible. I think each of us have the same exact record. Tune in tomorrow to figure out what that record is. And I think this format for this week is going to be best for everyone because I think you all will get a little bit more content from us because I pulled a lot of sound for this particular episode, just part one. And normally I wouldn't be able to play all this sound because I'm on a little bit more of a time crunch. But uh, doing it solo here, I have a little bit more time. I get kind of more flexible with Grant not being here for this one. Uh, so I think that'll benefit all of us. And we'll have a little bit more time as well to look over Texas tape so you guys don't have to. All right, before I dive into the news and notes of the week, I got to make one big correction that a listener pointed out to me on Facebook. Last episode, I falsely claimed that Robert Barnes was playing corner when he gave up that second half touchdown against Kansas. Yeah, I was wrong about that. Barnes was playing nickel where he's been working at recently. The telecast that I saw was zoomed in and... When they showed a replay, I was not paying attention. I was sloppy when I was watching it back, and I didn't notice that the actual cornerback was outside of the screen. So that was just a really stupid mistake on my part. I don't know if I was just sleep-deprived because I got back so late Saturday and it was a long day Saturday, but that's an excuse. I should have known that. I should have caught that, and frankly, I am embarrassed about, about that. So thanks again to the listener. It was Barry on the West of Everest Facebook page for – correcting me on that one so appreciate that Barry and uh, if you're wondering the West of Evers Facebook page great place to leave comments thoughts corrections if you have any because uh, you know 
sometimes whenever Grant and I go on tangents and say stupid things like that, we need to be corrected. You can go to the West of Everest Facebook page. If you're not on it yet or you don't like it yet, just search West of Everest on Facebook. You can find it. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at Grant Benson 25. And of course, you can uh, email the show, westoveverest at gmail.com. And lastly, again, thank you to you all for rating and reviewing the show. We've had a ton of positive stuff the last couple of weeks. You guys have been awesome. We're almost up to 100 total ratings for the show, and we're at five stars on iTunes. That's, a, that's awesome. I mean, we can't thank you all enough. That's sweet. All right. You guys are tired of me talking about all that stuff. You want me to move into the news and notes portion of the show? That's what we're going to do. We begin with what we started the show with, and that's Jalen Hurts' press conference, his opening statement. And the way I read the opening statement just personally, because let's be honest, I, you know, I was talking to Brian Mueller, who's a, my colleague at News 9, and he always goes to the Oklahoma press conferences as well on Saturday. We were discussing it. Do we remember any other athlete beginning a press conference like that with an opening statement? And the fact that we were even talking about it and thinking about it made me think that, no, I, I don't recall it, and it must not happen that much at all. So the way I took it, and you guys heard it, it's you know typical Jalen Hurts talking about how they need to get better and they can use the Kansas game as an opportunity to continue to take steps and keep the main thing the main thing. To me, it kind of came off as, listen, guys, I know it's OU Texas week. Even though I've never been a part of this rivalry, this is my first time playing in this game, I'm not going to give you anything on this game. I'm not going to give Texas any sort of bulletin board material. I'm going to say all the same things I always say about this game. And you can try, you can try to get stuff out of me, but I'm, I'm not going to give you anything because that's what I do. And the more we talk to Jalen Hurts, the more we kind of understand his shtick. And I remember whenever he first spoke in a press conference setting back in the spring, Grant and I came on this podcast and we played some sound bites from it. And I tell you, he was really boring and it was on purpose. I was kind of unsure at the time of how he's going to be moving forward. Man, this guy's going to be somebody that just never gives us anything. And to this day, he very rarely ever does give us anything, but we've kind of grown to know him enough. And I think he's kind of gotten to know us a little bit more in the media where you can tell that that it's a bit and you kind of know what to expect from him. And he does have a bit of a sense of humor. Uh, for example, after the Kansas game, when he talked about how he's played in big games and he'll he'll be OK at OU Texas. He does have a bit of a personality. He just he's very coy with the media. And I think now that we've heard him talk a whole lot more, we're kind of more used to it. We kind of get where he's coming from. And it's almost like a game to try to figure out <clears throat> if you can get him to say anything. Jalen Hurts, not going to give you anything on OU Texas, and I think he was making that pretty clear in his opening statement. I got a chance to to ask him. You know, I I took my my stab at it. Hey, can I get Jalen to say anything interesting or kind of open up a little bit? And I wanted to know a little bit more about why Jalen approaches every single game the same exact way and makes it quite obvious with the way he answers questions not really opening up saying the same thing kind of over and over and over again about the team and about how everyone's got to get better and so this is me trying to kind of get inside of his mind uh, about why uh, mentally he's always kind of the same even going into a game like OU Texas you've kind of established kind of every game is the same I don't look too far ahead at all kind of downplay things like that and that's my words not here I know you didn't say that but 
Have you always been like that, going back to when you were a kid, high school, big rivalry type games, college? That come from that come from your dad at all? Uh, I mean, I'm just curious how you evolved in the way you've kind of approached these type of games. It's all external factors, you know. Nobody's going to change the way I think about something, um, and you know, what I tell my teammates and how we approach it. So we're going to continue to approach it that that way. We're going to be one to know, try and be one to know every week, um, and move forward. So that was Jalen Hurts, and he, you know he didn't give me a whole lot, as you could tell. But uh, I I mentioned his dad in there because those of you probably know. I mean, Jalen's dad is a football coach, and he coached Jalen for all those years. And I just kind of figured that uh, the way he was raised and the way he, you know he approaches games is based on a lot of things he learned from his dad, and and that's probably true. I'm guessing, but uh, you know Jalen didn't really want to go too far in depth it's just kind of that's just the way he is and and it's all outside uh factors and he wants to keep everything kind of inside and he doesn't want anything from the outside any of the i hate to say it the rat poison to affect his team one other thing jalen said during his press conference i really enjoyed and it's one of those things that uh, he was asked about emotions of oklahoma texas obviously he's never played in this game but we all know that he's played in the iron bowl he's played in national title games he's played in massive games in the sec jalen hurts is not going to be too affected by the cotton bowl scene uh, he was asked if playing with emotion is actually is it maybe a good thing in games like this or is, is it just is it is it bad because you know uh, playing emotionally kind of has negative connotations and I certainly like the way Jalen approached the answer to this question because I think exactly what he says here is exactly right in general in life when you make emotional decisions that kind of hurt you so um you got to keep the main thing the main thing prepare um, trust 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 everything and, and move forward I just wanted to play that because I'm a big believer in that if you make emotional decisions, it's probably not going to end up very well for you. you got to take a step back, take a deep breath, uh, be pragmatic, and uh, take the emotion out of it. All right, that's all I have on Jalen Hurts for now. A couple of other uh, newsworthy things, and let's get into the offensive line. On Monday, Lincoln Riley mentioned that both Eric Swenson and Adrian Ely are both highly questionable for this game obviously Ely has missed the last two games Swinson missed the last game Oklahoma started a new or a different starting five on the offensive line every single game this year talking to Bill Biedenboe on I believe it was Tuesday uh, Bill Biedenboe was asked about this kind of makeshift offensive line that's that's kind of the way I'm calling it right now and um, he mentioned that in his career, he's never had to deal with a situation where he's started five different players in the first five games of the year at on the offensive line. And so uh, here is Bill Biedenboe and his thoughts on the offensive line and, and just kind of dealing with this very unusual situation. No, it's not easy. It's not ideal. But, I mean, what, what, you know, you go out there and you got to play. you got to produce. you got to – Whoever's out there has got to play to the highest level of their ability. I mean, that's where we're at. How have they done? Do. Right. Uh, you know, I, up and down, inconsistent. You know, I mean, last week the first half was bad. The second half was better. You know, I thought Texas Tech was probably our overall best, most consistent game. Um, 
you know, but again, it's, you know, the guys that are out there, the, the best guys that we have to put at that position yeah. on that day, you know, and, you know, again, is it ideal? No, but I mean, they got to go out there. They got to perform. We got to win with them. When he was asked about an update on Ely and Swenson, this was on Tuesday. So this was after Riley mentioned that they were highly questionable. Uh, Biedenbo said, talk to coach Riley. So no updates on uh, Swenson and Ely, although I do have uh, a bit of an inkling that I, I will tease ahead right now, but I kind of want to keep talking about the offensive line because I still have some more sound to play from Biedenboe here in a bit as I kind of look over, make sure I have this. And let's talk about the tackles. Obviously, Swenson and Ely. You have Swenson, who was the left tackle, starting left tackle day one, and Ely, starting right tackle, both missing. And so here is Biedenboe discussing the tackle spots and the fact that a guy like Tyrus Robinson has had to shift over and play right tackle even though he's a, a player that is a guard and uh, I know at least one of you has emailed the show asking us to if we can post more kind of raw sound from breakout and scrums and interviews because I know a lot of, I mean you guys can't be there you guys can't hear what the coaches and the players say and and I know that I probably take that for granted a lot of times being able to be there and hearing a lot of the things and and you guys want to have as much access as possible so I think a show like this right now part one I'm going to try to give you a lot of different sound bites and so so some details here uh, Bill Biedenboe talking about just how is the tackle position looking right now and obviously a big part of that is the fact that the two main guys are injured again I think they you know I think they did a good job I mean Tyrese is playing has played tackle for eight to ten days yeah. he's a sophomore you know what I mean he did a good job did he do a great job no but again proud of him. I mean that you know everybody thinks okay hey just go play tackle I mean it, it doesn't work like that you know what I mean but I'm proud of him. He's he's working at it. He's getting better. I thought he played really good against Texas Tech for the first time. You know, he had some, you know, miscues in this game. You know, but um, you know, he he's more of a guard. But he, you know, heck, we're winning with him. You know, do we got to play better? Sure, we do. You know, and every guy in the line does. And I get to coach better. But um, yeah, it's it's not ideal. Like I said, it's not ideal. But it's where we're at. You know, and we got I got to get those guys ready. They got to get ready, and we got to go win with them. And uh, Robinson played a little tackle in high school, but Biedenboe, during his availability, mentioned that uh, it's just it's totally different playing tackle in college compared to high school. He said that in high school, usually the guy that you're lined up across is the player that you're blocking in high school, and that's just not the case at Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, some positive some positive uh, reviews so far from Bill Biedenboe and with you know Tyrese Robinson playing. A new position and also he was asked about Bray Walker we've seen Walker play play some guard uh, next to Tyrese Robinson playing some right guard and as far as Walker goes Biedenboe mentioned that he's proud of him he said he's working he's getting better sure has a long ways to go and, and he can get a lot better so uh, you know positive so far Bray Walker I mean right there you got your your two linemen on the right side of the line you got Bray Walker and then you got Tyrus Robinson playing out of position. That's what you had against Kansas. So that's that's rough. That's uh, that's that's not kind of what you want. And uh, offensive line certainly a question mark coming into this game. Uh, asked about penalties. Is that something that you can get fixed? Bill Biedenboe said kind of curtly, "Yep, it's something we'll get fixed." Uh, kind of a funny moment, but not funny when it comes to the grand scheme of things. Biedenboe was asked uh, after R.J. Proctor at left tackle, 
who's the guy? And Biedenboe said, me. So the depth still is not where Bill Biedenboe wants it to be. Uh, he said that you know he doesn't know if you can ever prepare the young guys for Oklahoma, Texas until they step out onto the field. Uh, you kind of try to tell them the best that you can, what's gonna what's it gonna be like out there, but you just never know how they're gonna react. Obviously, until they set foot on the field, offensive line. Uh, I'm concerned, guys, uh, and this is the part where I know I teased ahead a little uh, a little bit ago. Kind of the vibe I'm getting with offensive line. We know Lincoln Riley mentioned that. Ely and Swinson are highly questionable and, and the actual kind of quote and I'm paraphrasing is that it's it's not a long-term deal but it's certainly a lot more than a bumper bruise with both guys so Riley kind of you know we've seen him and heard him do this OU Texas week and he's he's never been that upfront with injuries but the vibe I'm getting is that Swinson I don't know if Swinson is I I think he is certainly highly questionable, more like doubtful. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Again, this is just uh, I my feeling, a little bit of things I've heard. Uh, Swinson, I don't know if I would bet on Swinson playing. And if you would have asked me this a few days ago, even after, you know, even Sunday, I would have thought, ah, you know, Swinson missed, missed the game. That was unexpected against Kansas, but – uh, you know, it, it had to been something outside of practice or during, I'm sorry, during practice. And, you know, I, I always just kind of assume, and this is probably irrational, that when you don't see it happen in a game, I just assume that it's it's not that big of an injury. But again, it's they practice hard, so something bad could happen in practice too. So that's just kind of like an irrational thought I usually have. And then with Ely missing Kansas, the second game in a row he missed, I just kind of, I really thought of it again no one's had information but figured it's just more just like a maintenance thing get him another week of rest before texas uh, but when it comes to swinson i'm kind of getting the feeling that he's more doubtful than questionable which if you know anything about you know nfl and and the injury designations doubtful is worse than questionable i don't know if we're going to see eric swinson however when it comes to adrian ely i'm a little bit more optimistic about him i have a I have a feeling that Ely's going to play, and that's just a straight-up opinion on my end. Again, I'm not reporting he's going to play. I don't know for sure either way. I just I have a I have a feeling that he's going to, and it's mainly because it's OU Texas, and he has that had a couple weeks not playing. Uh, I've heard that uh, it it sounds like he he really obviously wants to play, but uh, it's you know, what Riley said is true. He's highly questionable, but I just have a feeling that he's he's a little bit more. He has more of a shot to play than Swinson. I'll put it that way. If both of those guys don't play, guys, and it's the same offensive line we saw against Kansas where it's Proctor, Marquise Hayes, Creed Humphrey, Bray Walker, and um, Tyrese Robinson at right tackle, I'll be incredibly concerned, and I think all of you will be as well. Uh, even with Bill Biedenboe there, I mean, that's uh, – you know, they're using Proctor as the tackle. Both, you know, both starting tackles done. If that happens, that's not great. All right, what else do we have here? Moving on from the offensive line. More news and notes. Let's go to the uh, Oklahoma defense, and it'll also talk a little bit more, uh, not necessarily more, but it'll be Oklahoma defense and Texas offense. And you all probably have heard or seen the tweet about Samuel Cosme, the uh, tackle for Texas, his quote about Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins. And I'm going to read the quote right now. It said, on Gallimore and Perkins, quote, those are pretty much guys who we've been watching. 
I'm excited to go against them again. I wouldn't say they're like super special, but they're good players. They're solid players, nothing to worry about too much. As you all know, uh, we at West of Everest, you as a, as a fan of Oklahoma, anybody that has two eyes knows that Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins are two of the best defensive linemen. Gallimore's the best one. Perkins and then I'd say Jalen Redmond's the third best. Uh, throw them in the mix. Uh, these are some of the best defensive linemen on the team, the best on the team, and maybe in the Big 12. They're very good, and they're being given an opportunity in this new system, in this new scheme, to flash. And Cosme obviously has seen tape of these guys this year, but I'm sure a lot of his thoughts are of the previous years when Oklahoma's defense wasn't as good. And that was uh, you know, a, a bit of bulletin board material for Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins. And we got a chance to talk to Ronnie Perkins earlier this week, and here is his response to that Samuel Cosme quote. I don't really pay attention to the trash talk. Catch me at a, uh, you can catch me at 11 a.m. in Dallas you know, with the rest of the Texas football team. Short and sweet there. Didn't get a chance to talk to Neville Gallimore at all this week, so uh, no word on what he is thinking. So uh, Cosme also said, and this is more just about Oklahoma as a team, has nothing to do with not individual players. Uh, I saw that Cosme said, quote, Oklahoma has a really explosive offense, a really good team overall. They're a really good team. I'm not going to take that away from them. But I don't think they've really played anybody like us. So it's going to be interesting to going into the game and seeing how they respond and see what type of team they really are. And you know what? You can hear that quote and think, gosh, what a jerk. Yeah, whatever. But he's got a point. Uh, I mean, Texas has played a more difficult schedule just by the fact that Texas played LSU, one of the best teams in college football, and gave them a run. I mean, they could have won that game. So, uh, I mean, still, it's somewhat bulletin board material-esque, but there's a it rings true. It rings true what Samuel Cosme says. And kind of to, to show you that, really, on the other end, Oklahoma has not really given Texas anything to, wor- to work with, with the exception of one soundbite, which I will play you coming up, that uh, it's, it's like the one soundbite that, that Oklahoma has that provides Texas with a little bit of bulletin board up material, and it comes from an offensive player. But before that, I want to get to Trey Brown, who had nothing but positive, nice things to say about Texas. Not to, you know, discredit any other team. You know, everybody's been pretty good. We play, but uh, Texas is like, they're, they're, they're the real deal. You know, this is our really big first game, you know, uh, and now uh, we wouldn't want to have it any other way. And this is, this is where we're going to figure everything out. And just like a lot of us have been saying, and I've been trying to get away from this because unlike a lot of you, I, I'm just in the minority in this one. I don't focus that much, you know, three, four weeks out on Texas. I like, there's so few games in college football and football in general. I just, I don't see the point of get ahead in yourself. Enjoy each and every week. Enjoy the next matchup. Enjoy the next Oklahoma game. Watch it. Break it down. Talk about it. Because, again, there's only 12 of them in the regular season. So it's just it's just the way I'm wired. I don't, I don't look too far ahead. And, and as, as a player, I never looked ahead. It, just, it was something that I never did. I never thought ahead to playing a, a really good team if you had a bad team. It's just I really enjoyed in the moment playing whoever's in front of me that day or that week. And it's just looking ahead just never was a thing that I did. And so it's tough for me to relate to, to people that do look ahead, that, that do want to talk a lot about something that's happening in the future, especially when it comes to football. So that's just me. Um, but uh, back to what Trey Brown was saying, he's right, though. I mean, now that we're here, now that we can talk about Texas – 
this is the game we're going to figure out a lot about Oklahoma. Uh, is that defense improved? Is it actually better? Because the offenses Oklahoma has faced, none of them are as explosive or as good as Texas. And I kind of hesitate actually to say the word explosive because Texas's offense can be explosive, but on a yards per play basis, it's it's nowhere near as explosive as Oklahoma's, which to be fair, nobody really is. But uh, so that was Trey Brown. What else do we have? I, I want to kind of keep here with the defensive thing, uh, defensive theme. And I, uh, I kind of found this interesting. Ronnie Perkins, we played his bite earlier, kind of responding to, uh, to Samuel Cosme. Here's Ronnie Perkins on Sam Ellinger. And uh, a big West of Evers fan, my coworker, Brett Kopenbarger, is going to make uh, his, his debut, his podcast debut, because he provides the questions, at least the first two questions of this soundbite, followed by Sooner Scoops' Eddie Radosevich, who has another question. But uh, let's just say that Ronnie Perkins is not prominently featured in this soundbite. But uh, you'll kind of understand why he's not because you'll see kind of the, the tone he's taken as Sam Ellinger has brought up. What do you see out of Sam Ellinger when you're watching film in preparation this week? He's a good player. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about Sam Ellinger? Good. <laughs> what is it about the way that he runs the football? Uh, it would seem that he gets in piles and then all of a sudden finds a finds an alley. Um, yeah, good run. So, uh... If you couldn't really hear that that well, I'm going to make sure to boost it audio. Uh, Sam Ellinger's a good player. He's good. He's a good runner. Uh, Ronnie Perkins, very short when uh, talking, about, talking about Sam Ellinger. And one more note on Ronnie. Uh, I asked him about the fact that, yeah, you know, Oklahoma did beat Texas after the Sooners lost to Texas last season. Of course, OU won the Big 12 title game. But uh, so I was curious, though, if, the fact they lost in the Cotton Bowl and now you're playing in the Cotton Bowl again, if it feels different, if if uh, now there's some payback there for that one, and uh, Perkins said that he doesn't think that winning the Big 12 championship was enough of payback for him. So Ronnie Perkins, uh, man, he he's out there to get a W for sure. Let's see, I'm gonna I'm kind of going off the cuff here a little bit. Want to make sure I get to all the different sound bites that I have. I know we're focusing in on the defense right now, but I'm going to save Alex Grinch because I have plenty of Alex Grinch sound to play, and I'm not quite sure if it's going to qualify as a stuff Alex Grinch says that makes us very happy segment because it's a lot more just him explaining things and describing what he's seen. But, you know, we all like hearing Alex Grinch talk, and a lot of you probably don't get to hear enough of him talk, so I have a lot of Alex Grinch stuff. But before we do that, I mentioned that there was one soundbite, one piece of potential bulletin board material that Oklahoma provided that I saw that I saw this week and it's from Charleston Rambo and I asked the same kind of question to Charleston that I asked to Ronnie Perkins about the feelings of playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl as opposed to you know playing them in the Big 12 title game and if he kind of has that feeling that that playing them and beating Texas you know this week is is a little bit more I you know I didn't say important or you know, things like that. But I, I think I kind of worded the question as kind of, do you kind of have that feeling that, yeah, even though we've beaten them again, and by say we, Oklahoma has beaten Texas since they lost in the Cotton Bowl, that even that this game in the Cotton Bowl was kind of the, the time to get that payback. And uh, Rambo had a somewhat interesting thing to say about it. It seemed like, it seemed like the fans wanted to, 
the uh, W for the Cotton Bowl more than the Big 12 game because, I mean, they talk about that a lot. So, I mean, we're going we gonna to try to guarantee and try to get this W this year in Cotton Bowl. And if we see them again, Big 12, then it is what it is. Beat them again. So I, that's not like a full, flat-out, full-fledged guarantee from Charleston Rambo that Oklahoma's going to win. I think he said we're going to try to guarantee it. But it's it's if you're a Texas fan listening to this or you support Texas, you're going to take that as that. Uh, I'm sure you take that and run with it. So Charleston Rambo, uh, the one piece of sound that uh, can certainly give – Texas again something to put on their bulletin board because up to that point it was mostly Texas saying things that Oklahoma would probably not be too happy about and I actually missed one a Texas comment as well from BJ Foster their hard-hitting safety he said this about Jalen Hurts he said quote he's not dumb he's going to have to slide or it's not going to be good for him and I saw the quote I actually watched it he was kind of like joking and smiling a little bit but BJ Foster is definitely serious about that and so uh, basically saying that uh, if Jalen Hurts doesn't slide, it's going to be a long day at the Cotton Bowl for him. So Texas is not afraid to talk. I mean, they're they're ten and a half point dogs. They don't have a whole lot to lose. They can't afford to lose this game. They need to win this game if they're going to stay in the national title hunt. Obviously, Oklahoma is still unbeaten, but you got to think Oklahoma probably needs this game too because the Sooners' schedule is not that great. They didn't have that great non-conference victory at all this season. So uh, a lot of a lot of talk on the Texas side, a smidgen of talk on the Oklahoma side. That's where we stand here. By the time you're listening to this podcast, Thursday of OU Text Week here in part one. Now let's talk Alex Grinch. And got a lot of sound to play him. This is going to be kind of the end of it. I know that Texas has lots of injury issues to deal with. And I want to talk to Grant a little bit more before we talk about that because he seems to know a little bit more about this than me. And I don't want to make a mistake and say somebody's injured or somebody's back that's not. So uh, we're going to punt the injury stuff over to the part two of the podcast. But I want to finish up here with some Alex Grinch stuff. Let's see. What's the best piece of Alex Grinch sound that I think you guys would like to hear from right now? You know, this is, you know, it's kind of a, a general thoughts from Alex Grinch on the Texas offense. It's certainly the, the, the toughest we've seen up to this point. It's going to be the toughest one we see this week. And, and, and uh, our antennas are up. The respect factor is through the roof in terms of how, how uh, you know, we, we, we certainly respect every opponent. But, but the film speaks for itself. And there's no sugarcoating it from, a, you know, the, the, the standpoint of uh, uh, trying to, to, to temper down in terms of who they are, what they are. The, the, the film's the film. And, and, and so um, who they've done it against, how they've done it, how consistent they've done it. You know, not just this year, but in years past. Uh, uh, no, just a, a major, major challenge. Grinch said that uh, Texas, very talented. They have a guy at every spot. They pose a real challenge. Uh, he highlighted the quarterback spot, of course, because the guy can make a lot happen, specifically in the passing game, but also in the run game. Grinch adding that they're what they're cracked up to be. And he talked about the quarterback run game a little bit more in detail. It says it's more like you kind of spread you out, spread you thin, and try to crease you. But they also, of course, have that ability to to run downhill on you with with um, Sam Ellinger. Uh, speaking of the secondary and all the the super tall Texas receivers, Colin Johnson, I believe, is supposed to be back. He goes about six six. They have another guy, Epps, I believe, who goes about 6'6", I saw against West Virginia as I've been watching film study. I mean, a lot of tall players with the exception of Devin DuVernay. And DuVernay is a great slot receiver. I know Grant's kind of downplayed him a little bit on this podcast. And, you know, so have I, too. I I shouldn't throw Grant under the bus because I kind of have, too. But I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from DuVernay in films far. Great route runner. 
Uh, but he's a guy that Oklahoma should be able to kind of understand what Ellinger wants to do. It seems like it's pretty obvious a lot of the times. I'll get into this more in part two. Ellinger either throws to Duvernay or he throws on the outsides to his tall receivers. And I know there's a lot more details than that, but I'll get into that more part two. Let's see. On the safety play, uh, he says that he's pleased with DTY and, and Patrick Fields the way they're progressing. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, he's, he kind of put the hypothetical out there. You know, are we going to take them out of the game to put player B in the game if we think it'll be lesser than the two of them right now? He said, no, we're not going to do that right now. They've earned that right to stay out there. Uh, that Grinch says that they want them out there. They're showing a lot of production. So the safety position, we've all kind of been critical about. Throwing the nickel there as well. You got Duvernay, who's a slot guy. Texas is going to want to exploit the hash marks, the seams, the middle of the field. You better believe they're going to try to do that against Oklahoma. That's what they've done against everybody. That's what their bread and butter. Uh, and then if Oklahoma is able to somehow key on some guys, take that away a little bit, then they're going to try to exploit the undersized corners out there. Uh, but I feel I feel confident. I feel confident about Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, Jaden Dares. I, I like their chances in a, in a game like this, even against players that are bigger than them. But what uh, Grinch said when it comes to those guys that they have such a, a height disadvantage, they need to play top down. He said that when you're talking about uh, the skill set you're going to face out of Texas wide receivers, if you're in a trail technique all day, you're going to be at a disadvantage. So they have to make sure they're playing top-down, staying ahead and above their receivers. Basically, you can't get beat. You can't let people get behind them. And you know what? Oklahoma's secondary on the outside. Kansas, there was a little more bust than I would have liked. But for the most part this year, we've seen the corners not give up the big play over the top. And even the safeties have been made sure to stay deep and, and not give up plays over the top. Uh, how about Nickel? Uh, you know, I was kind of sad that the whole Trajan Bridges experiment was potentially over. Lincoln Riley did not shut the door fully on that on Monday. He says that Bridges can still play both positions, play defensive back and wide receiver. He said the game plan at Kansas called for him to play offense, but nothing is set in stone right now. He does want to find Bridges a role because he's so talented, but Riley said he's fine if Bridges plays both ways, and he added that Bridges is a dominant special teams type player. Let's see. More from Alex Grinch. What's the next thing that uh, I should play? Uh, how about this? Uh, geez, we're about 35 minutes in this podcast. I haven't brought this up yet. Something that I that Grant and I missed watching the Kansas game back. David Obwegu started the game and then rotated with Brendan Radley-Hiles. Uh, Obwegu playing that Sam spot, and then you take it off the field and you put the nickel in with Radley-Hiles. And they played, they rotated, so it, it gave Oklahoma a little more size out there. And it's not like Ogbuebu was playing the nickel like he wasn't going to be out there, uh, I mean, expected to cover slot guys and in space. Clearly that showed me that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch wanted to test out a more, uh, a bigger set, uh, a more of a 3-4 type set without that extra defensive back on the field against Texas because of what happened last year with the quarterback run game and they don't want Sam Ellinger just taking off and running and frankly running over Brendan Radley Hiles if he's the guy that has to make a tackle because there's no way that Radley Hiles will be able to make a tackle on Sam Ellinger in the open field there's just no chance so I know Grant uh, we've talked about this off the air Grant is uh, very uneasy about this idea of getting a out there and, and bigger bigger set because he's 
convinced that Texas will just see that and then run Devin Duvernay and uh, the other slot guy they have. Uh, I can't Jake. I can't think of his name. Uh, that he had a touchdown against Oklahoma State and just run ragged over the middle of the field. And that's a decent point. I mean, I'm curious to see how Oklahoma approaches this. Uh, I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other. I I do like that they're experimenting with, experimenting with it. I'm just hoping that the amount of film study that Alex Grinch and company will have done, I mean, just the amount that I've watched this week, and it, there's no way it's anywhere near as much as these guys have watched, I'm seeing tendencies from Texas based off of formations and based off of personnel, what they do. I mean, they're exclusively an 11 personnel team. There's always one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers on the field all the time, all the time. And they, they'll go three by one sets with an H back and the and third down, they'll go five wide. They'll bring the wide receiver, they'll bring the running back out wide in trips. They'll bring the tight end. They'll move them around a little bit. And Duvernay is always in the slot. And again, we'll go into more details on this in part two, but I'd like to hope that Oklahoma is seeing tendencies on when Texas is going to run the football, when they're going to throw the football, who they're going to throw the football to when they do throw, depending on down and distance and situation. I, I'd like to think that that will play into who they throw on the field, obviously, situationally, whether it's a nickel with Brendan Radley-Hiles or if it's David Wegbu or, or Ryan Jones or any other player that could potentially play a Sam linebacker-type role for Oklahoma in this game. And speaking of that, Grinch talked about the kind of the nickel-Sam-type position. And so kind of listen to Grinch and kind of get an idea of if you think he's going to play a lot more Sam or a lot more nickel against Texas. I don't think he's given much away, but I think – by showing Ogbuebu playing so much, he was showing us against Kansas that they're definitely looking more into it. So let's just see what you think about it. We'll play Alex Grinch, and you guys kind of decide on what he's what he's thinking at that position. It's something that kind of affords us an opportunity, just from a personnel standpoint, to take a look at uh, um, you know getting a couple bigger bodies you know out there that, that, that may present itself again over the course of uh, of the season. Um, I just thought it was responsible to, to to take a look at that. I thought they did some good things. I don't think life is different as, as maybe they would have suggested early in the week in terms of being on you know that to the field side instead of to the boundary and so in terms of what we asked them to do. But you know uh, again, just trying to you know, personnel matchups, offenses do it a lot, and then you know what are you going to do defensively to uh, kind of match that or, or kind of give yourself the best advantage that you can. And so that was one of the, the things we decided last week. We'll see if that's something that we use again. Something tells me it is something that they'll use again on Saturday. The question is, it'll be situationally, and it's up to Alex Grinch to, to really understand what Texas is trying to do based on, again, formations, situation, down and distance, and that's, that's his task. I mean, that's tough. That's not easy. Uh, but I do think te Texas on tape, and I'm sure Oklahoma does too, but we just don't really notice it that much. Texas has showed, pardon me, has shown tendencies – uh, there's one particular thing they always do. It happens. It doesn't happen all the time. It happens maybe once every series, maybe once every other series, where it's it's an obvious run play. You know they're going to run the ball. And uh, I mean, I'll, in case I forget tomorrow, I'll say it here. I mean, if you ever see an up back, which is the tight end, you see that guy, if he ever shifts pre-snap, goes to the other side, it's a run play. They run it every single time. From what I've gathered – uh, I need to do a little bit more film t film research, but from what I've seen, three different games, uh, not full games, but you know, big parts of games. If there's a, a tight end up at H-back 
and he shifts to the other side of the formation, they run the football every single time. Uh, if they're playing, if they're in a three by one set with that tight end as an H back in the, you know, in, in the three, uh, three by one, the tight end as the H back, it's either going to be a run play. It's, it's almost always a run play or it's a max protect pass play where they're going to keep the running back in. They'll send out just the receivers on a route. They'll, they'll keep the H back in and they'll just max protect to make sure Ellinger has time to throw. And they, they'll either take a shot down the field and, and actually they normally do. And, against West Virginia and against Oklahoma State it didn't go very well early on in the game for for Ellinger so that's just some things that I noticed uh off the top of my head right now and and Grant I'll ask him if he noticed those kind of things too before we go I made a point last podcast to share my concerns about Parnell Motley dropping an interception it's I know it wouldn't have counted if he would have made the play as a penalty but he dropped a pick as well uh, against Texas Tech and it's just it's a mentality thing because this is a team that wants to take the ball away. And I'm afraid that if that they're just not there yet, because you're seeing these guys drop passes and a more confident type team that's that's sure of themselves and taking the ball away, I think will make that play. And uh, Alex Grinch talked about players and defensive backs specifically not getting interceptions. And I think that this soundbite is just kind of it's irrelevant considering that I was very critical of Motley and just the fact that. Again, no takeaways in that game against Kansas, and takeaways are what Alex Grinch has preached in day one. You know, minimum, you want to get one hand in the ball, but God dang, we got to find a way to get two. And when you get two, you got to come down with it, and then you got to catch the ones they throw at you. And I think we, do, we, we haven't done a great job. We really haven't. You know, do you do enough ball drills? The answer is yes. You know, I don't, there, there's not enough time in your 20-hour work week for, for the, the DB to do more than what we, we already do. Obviously, we make a huge emphasis of it, and then devastate when you get a takeaway last week, you know, and, does it impact that, that particular Saturday? Maybe it doesn't, but you run the risk that it will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so uh, we, we got to find a way to come down with those. Are we surprised by the football? And you got to analyze. You got to analyze as a coach, and then the individuals got to analyze it. You know, did, did, if the ball surprised you, why? Um, and and uh, there's not really a good answer for for that, you know. And so we're just going to make sure that uh, one, be where you're supposed to be, and then number two, expect that uh, you're going to be the one coming down with it. Takeaways, big plays, special teams plays, it all always factors into OU Texas. And you have a defensive coordinator who stresses takeaways. Oklahoma didn't get any last week. Maybe that means it'll even out a bit and they can take the ball away from Sam Ellinger and the gang Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. That's all I have here for part one of this OU Texas preview podcast The plan is Grant and I will be back tomorrow with an in-depth preview of Oklahoma versus Texas. So, guys, I know this is a little bit different. I hope you enjoyed all that sound we played for you today. And Grant and I will be back tomorrow, barring some sort of crazy happening, which for me it would be work-related. For Grant, it would be potentially health-related if he's still not feeling good. But it's OU Texas week. we got to power through. Thanks for listening. Until next time, hopefully tomorrow, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.